word from the Lord for us today. And I promise you that I, I come with a, a message of hope. And, and I believe that the Lord is going to do something for us today. I do appreciate the worship community leading us in the presence of God. I hope that, that before you leave, that you'll set aside time that the, at the end of the service, at, to, at the end of the sermon today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come into this altar. I'm asking each and every person right now, please make a commitment right now to respond to the word of the Lord. Because what God is going to do in the altar service today is why we're here. And that everything that has happened up to this point, everything that will happen over the next 28 minutes or so, it's all leading to that point where you say, God, I want to be a doer of the word also. And so please, I want you to be prayerful while, while we uh, go through this, these scriptures today and be willing to come and respond and let your heart be touched by the presence of the Lord and let the body minister to one another. Amen. Will you lift up your voice and let's ask God to touch us. Come on, every heart lifted. Come on, with a heart full of praise. Come on, Revival Church. Let's pray right now and ask the Lord to help us right now. Father, by the authority of the Word of God and the power of the name of Jesus, we ask you, Lord, that you would move into this house right now. We're praying, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to us one more time. I ask you, God, that you would use the Word of the Lord to touch us, to change us. Our desire is not to remain the same, but we want to be changed. We want to be made different. I pray in the name of Jesus, touch that one that's furthest from you, yet closest to eternity. God, somehow rescue them today that they might be saved. We thank you for it. We give you praise in Jesus' name. One more time, clap your hands and thank the Lord for his presence today. Come on, one more time like you really mean it. Come on, add your voice to it. God, I'm so thankful. I got a voice to praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. you may be seated in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for standing. Thank you, Pastor Tim. God bless you. In Jesus' name. As we begin this morning in somewhat symbolic fashion, but certainly spiritual fashion, we begin what is the most holy of weeks. This week where we remember the steps, the sermons, the comments, the conflict of our Lord's last week. The days that would begin memorialized today, that would commence one week from today as we remember the Lord's resurrection. The Christ event, as it is called, was the culmination of every prophecy that led us from Eden to that moment at Golgotha. Where the word, John said, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. 
the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. For the Son of Man had come to seek and to save that which was lost. God so loving the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Mary's son, named Jesus, had now arrived on the earth, having fulfilled that Jewish requirement of 20 years. He had trained, or 30 years, and he had trained his disciples for three years. And now coming to 33 years old, he has come now ready to give his life as a ransom for many. And so the stage was set as Jesus Christ would come for the final act. The Son of God and Son of Man would ride into Jerusalem for the final time. And we, this morning, commemorate as Christians this Palm Sunday. Jesus had told two disciples that they were to go and define a cult that he would ride in on his transportation. He who needed no help submitted himself to be helped. He who could have called allowed to be sent. Jesus, being a Jew, had participated in this most holy feast, the Passover, each of his first 32 years of his life. And now, on this final time, he would come into Jerusalem to remember the Passover. That final night in Egypt, as the Jews would be delivered from Egypt's iron grip. And so he saw all those years as they would remember that Passover and Passover meal that would be centered around the Passover lamb. They were instructed in Egypt that on that last week that they were to bring a lamb into their home and they were to connect with that lamb. They were to personalize that lamb but then that lamb that was taken into the home would have a purpose because the only way for the family to appease the judgment of God the only way for them to stave the sickle of the death angel was the Bible says that God instructed them that they were to take the blood of the lamb and to put it over the doorpost. And when I see the blood, God said, I will pass over you. And it was that passing over that would appease the judgment of God. That they were facing judgment. But because of the blood of a lamb that they were allowed to be spared. Is there anybody in this house on this Palm Sunday that is thankful that you were once facing judgment? You were once facing punishment, but God allowed the blood of a spotless lamb to be put over the doorpost of your life and you were spared of judgment because of God. 
Oh, clap your hands on the Lord and thank the Lord for the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. But now Jesus, having celebrated that Passover 32 times, would not come to observe the Passover lamb. But he has now come to be the Passover lamb. Knowing that he had so many times needed to celebrate what God had done for the Israelites. He has now come to be that final lamb for all of God's creation. And so as he rode in that day, knowing the prophetic implications, people began to pour from their homes, from the market, from their jobs. They came here to celebrate the feast, but they ended up worshiping a Savior. This God that now has been made man would come in not having anymore concealing the messianic secret, but now boldly proclaiming that he has come to redeem the world unto himself. Those inhabitants of Jerusalem being aware both of prophecy of Isaiah and the annunciation of angels, they begin to know and remember that what this moment might just be. That angel had said to Mary, Fear not, you have found favor with God. You'll conceive in thy womb and bring forth the Son and his name, Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. They had heard that that prophecy had rested upon Jesus. And so as the miracles began to come and the sermons were true and the dominion over demons began to be exercised, they knew that this just might be the Messiah. So with every step of the people, with every clapping of the hooves of the colt. As he marched in down the road of Jerusalem, that those people began to increase in number. And the roar, you can almost hear it, began to churn and begin to reverberate in the city of David. Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 8 puts us at the scene today. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from trees and straw them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That city of tens of thousands of people became hundreds of thousands of people. They, in whatever way they could think of, in whatever way they could do, they wanted to try to give him adulation and to give themselves humility. And so 
History would also ratify this idea as people would in other times and places in history, even until today, that when a monarch, a king, or a ruler would make their way into people's presence, that they then and now would take off their garments and they would throw them before the ruler. The purpose, according to history, was that when they would do that, the subject would lay down that garment, which would have not been one of scores that any of us probably have. But when they laid down their garment, they were probably laying down their entire wardrobe. They were laying down something that would have been costly. They were laying down something that would have been valuable to them. And so when they took off their coat and they laid it at the feet of Jesus, they laid it not on spotless carpet that we stand today, but they laid it on a dirty, dusty ground because they were trying to take everything they could and cast it at the feet of Jesus. According to history and historians, we read that a subject would do that, taking off his or her garment and laying it on the ground for one of two reasons. To ask for assistance or intercession on behalf of a need. And so as they did that, and then they would even, in looking to do whatever they could think of next, John said in 12 and 13 that they began to cut down branches of palm trees and they would begin to wave them and lay them. They began to call out unto him and to cheer and to worship and to celebrate. As the protagonist of this holiest of tragedies would now become to be center stage. It's interesting as we follow this familiar story that the turn that is taken in the book of Matthew, being mindful, of course, that the gospel according to Matthew was the gospel that Jesus fulfills this role in a unique way as God would purpose Matthew to be the writer to the Jews. We see the traditions and the feasts. They are especially highlighted, yet not particularly explained because we know that it was being written to Jews, for Jews. In this transition from a Judeo mindset to a Christian mindset, it took one of them to be able to articulate what needed to happen. And it's not less significant when we begin to read that Matthew would be the one that when he would tell the story of the triumphal entry of Jesus riding in on a colt to Jerusalem, it's important to look at what he would include. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter number 21 would explain to us that as Jesus Christ rode in on Palm Sunday, that it immediately was followed by the cleansing of the temple. So I want you to think of that scenario that Pastor Johnson already referenced. The story that I already referred to 
the Palm Sunday scene. But as soon, according to Matthew, addressing the Jews, as soon as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, that he got off the colt and he went to church and he got really mad. Turn to somebody and say, Jesus is mad at us. I'm talking about kick stuff over. He didn't wear his suit today. He wore a hoodie to church. He's kicking things. He's yelling at people. I'm talking, he's mad. When I was a kid, when you got really mad, you called it mad mayonnaise. Now, I don't know why that is other than mayonnaise is nasty and being mad is very nasty. And so when you're mad mayonnaise, turn to somebody and say, that's really bad. Turn to somebody and say, Jesus is mad mayonnaise. Kicking things over, yelling people. My house is supposed to be called a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. You're selling things to profit yourself. You're trying to advance your own kingdom. And my kingdom is not of this earth. My kingdom's of heaven. Get out of here, he said. Don't sell that stuff here. Don't act like that here. Worship's not so, supposed to be convenient. Worship's not supposed to be easy. And so you've got to do it the old-fashioned way, Jesus was saying. So what we read when we make our way through this story is we see another side of Jesus. And I want to make the point today that when Jesus cleansed the temple in Matthew chapter 21, that what we're seeing here quite possibly is the reason that he came. I submit, ladies and gentlemen, that the transition that Jesus made from calm Savior to cleansing Christ was not made when he entered the temple. Jesus Christ being omniscient. Theologically, we know that he is now blooming into fully Savior mode. That I suggest this morning that what Jesus was in the temple started when he got on the colt. I believe with all of my heart that if you believe the Matthew record, that what Jesus was when he got off was started when he got on the steed. That when Jesus boarded the colt at the beginning of the triumphal entry, I believe that he was already fixed. He was already focused. He was already there. The same passion that delivered him on the cross and delivered him in the garden, that delivered him when Judas came, that helped him in the cleansing of the temple. I believe that it already had started when he started in to ride in to Jerusalem. That I believe that the fire that we see him screaming, Father! Into thy hands I commend my spirit. The same fire that Jesus said in the garden, if it be possible, 
let this cup pass. The same fire that he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. The same fire that was in all of those moments was here today on Palm Sunday. That what Jesus Christ was doing is that he rode into Jerusalem to bring the fire. That he came to a nation. He came to a people to deliver them, to set them free. He came to a people that were hungry, to the people that were lost. He came to bring a fire to those that were lost. And so I've come to Revival Church on this Palm Sunday to just repeat what Jesus said and to repeat what Jesus did because Jesus has not come to be kind. He has not come to just commend us, but he's come to bring the fire. He's come to set the captive free. He's come to liberate. He's come to save, heal, and deliver. Oh, if you're in this house and you know that he's a savior, why don't you give the Lord praise in this house today? Why don't you give him glory? Jesus is here to save. Matthew chapter number three. He told us this was coming. He told us that what we would need would be the fire of the Holy Ghost. Yes, when he rode in on that Palm Sunday, he wasn't telling us something brand new. He, when he kicked over those money changers, when he prayed in the garden, when he, when he defied the religious leaders, when he endured the cross, he, he told us this was coming. John the Baptist even was dispatched Matthew chapter number 3 when the Bible says in verse number 10 and now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees therefore every tree which bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into fire turn to somebody and say you better get you some new fruit he continued I indeed baptize you with water Unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Now read that with me. And with fire. Keep reading. He said, whose fan is in hand and he will thoroughly turn to somebody and say, that's a lot. No, you got to say it with a little more passion than that. Come on. Say, that's a lot. That's good. Tell somebody else you don't like near as much, maybe because of bad breath, body odor, whatever. Turn to them and say, that's a lot. And gather his weed into the garner, but he will, say it with me, burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Ladies and gentlemen, I am presenting to you a Savior today that has not come to be a co-pilot on your little ship. I'm not talking about a Savior that just wants to give you advice to be considered occasionally on Sundays when you're not 
camping, when you're not at the lake, when you're not swimming, when you're not skiing, when you're not on vacation. I'm not talking about that kind of guy. I'm talking about a savior that brings the heat, that brings the fire. When Jesus rode in on Palm Sunday, he came to change the world. So I want to encourage somebody at Revival Church today and say, let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is in this house today to save, heal, and deliver. He's come to set you free. He's come to bring the fire. Think about through the Bible how all through the Bible God used fire to represent who he was. The Bible is rife with altars, right? We read about Moses built an altar. Abraham built an altar at his call. Isaac built an altar when he redug the wells. Jacob built an altar at Bethel. Moses even built an altar. Leviticus chapters 1 through 5 goes on and on and on and on about the sin offerings and the trespass offerings and the free will offerings and all of these, all of these, these offerings, 1 through 5, all of that and all the altars, it all has to do with fire. Yes, the sacrifice was significant. It, it was very important. But the only reason that it makes it go, the only reason why it ever could be accepted, that it ever could be pleasing to God, is because there was a fire. God chose to even call Moses with fire, with a, bu a bush that burned but was not consumed. We also read about how when the children of Israel moved through the wilderness that he would again choose when things were darkest and things were the worst. He said, I'm, I could just protect them, but I'm going to protect them with a pillar of fire. What God was saying was, is there is something in me that has to kick over some tables. There's something in the nature of God that when he rides into a city, he doesn't just come to say, oh, you're doing a great job today. You look so good in that shirt today. You're awesome. Thank you for sitting on the front row. Man, you're a great guy. You know what? You're not little Todd to me, buddy. You're a good guy. And that's what we think sometimes that God ought to do. We think God ought to come and tell us how great we're doing, how good things are, and everything's good. And you know what? God just kind of pats us on the back for 90 minutes, and then we can just go out and do whatever we want. And Pastor Todd will cheer us up again next Sunday. I want to tell you what God wants to do today is he wants to ride into your city, and he wants to take over your life. He's come to bring the fire. He's come to usher in unquenchable fire today is about the revival fires of Jesus Christ and I want to preach to somebody today who's thinking about living part time for Jesus 
I want to talk to somebody today who came in and say, if all they only really knew who I really am. I want to tell you today, now's the time. Jesus just rode into this sanctuary about an hour ago and he came in and he said, you know what? I appreciate you being here. I appreciate your walk with God, but I've come to bring the fire today. I've come to set the captive free. If you're in this house today and you're living a life of sin, I want to tell you today's the day to repent. I said today is the day to repent. If you're in this house today and there's addiction in your life and there's something in your life that you love more than God and you love more than the church and you love more than the fa your family, I want to tell you if there's something in your life that you think about many times a day, I don't care if it's a bottle, if it's a needle, or if it's a cell phone. Well, Whatever it is, whatever you're addicted to, I come against it in Jesus' name and God's come to bring the fire to set you free. What they did on Palm Sunday was when Jesus Christ came into the city and he came in, I want you to think about him riding in with a torch. Because what he was saying was, is I've come to change your life. What was described by John was an unquenchable fire that burnt up the chaff. That what Jesus did when he came in riding that beast of burden is what he was doing was, is he was saying that I am here to bring the fire. I am here to set the captives free. I am here that blinded eyes would be open. I am here that you that are in addiction and that you are in false doctrine and that you are in bondage, you can be set free. So what Jesus did when he rode into Jerusalem is those people began to recognize what he is bringing. And the Bible says that they took the most valuable possession that many of them owned and they laid it down. When they viewed the fire of God, that John said he would baptize us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. God, take my stuff. Hosanna. Hosanna. I've got to cast it down. It crowned him with many crowns. I've got to give God my best. When I view the fire of God, when I view the consecration that he deserves, when I view what hope that he's bringing my family, I can't hold back. I can't give God my second best. 
when he rides into my life I've got to give God my best I want to tell somebody today on this Palm Sunday Jesus Christ has ridden into this sanctuary today and he's asking you will you give God your best will you sacrifice today will you serve today will you repent today Come on, I want you to stand to your feet all over the house. The Lord's reaching to somebody today. Come on, will you close your eyes out of respect for the presence of the Lord that's in this house right now? Come on, that's it. If you know how to pray, lift up your voice. Come on, that's it, that's it. He just rode into this room. The king of kings rode into this room. So I want you to listen to this. This is what they did, and this is how we're going to close this service. And this is the altar call that I'm appealing for someone. Please, please, your pastor asked you to respect me. Just hear me for the next few minutes, and then we'll let you go. But the Bible says that those people begin to, to take off their garment, and they threw it on the ground. They offered everything. They, they didn't know what else to do, so they gave their best. And they began to say this word that I want us to pray. It's because there was something spiritual in, in the casting down of possessions and the throwing down of what we value. That it was the sacrifice and the altar that allowed for worship. And they begin to say this word, Hosanna! Which to Christians and to Americans, it doesn't mean as much. But to Jews, it's very powerful because it's a repetitive prayer. That the best way to understand it in English is save us. But it's not just save me. It's not help. It's a passionate iteration. Save us. Save us. I know it may cost me everything. Save us. I know that it's given a lot. But here's my life. 
save us. Here's my family, save us. Here's my children, save us. It's again and again and again. Oh, he's a mile away. I don't, I'm going to say it till he gets here. Save us. Oh, he may not have heard you. Oh, if I say it enough, he will. Save us. Oh, I know that I'm a long way back. I know, Bartimaeus, you're, you're too far back. Oh, if I say it enough, he'll hear me. Jesus, thou son of David, save us. Oh, I know that I'm just a voice in the crowd. I bet you if I say it enough, if I say it plenty, if I keep repeating it, if I keep praying it, I bet he'll hear me. I want that fire for my marriage. I want that fire for my children. Is there anybody in this house that wants that fire in your life? I'm telling you today, there's somebody, he's going to respond to the desperate. He's going to respond to the hungry. He's going to respond to somebody that says, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Come on, save my family. Save my marriage. It's not too late for my business. It's not too late for my ministry. Save us. Come on, are you willing to pray that prayer today? Is there anybody that'll say, I'm going to cast down my garments. I'm going to cast down my stuff. I'm going to cast down my future. And I'm going to say, save us. Save us. Save us. Save us, oh God. Save my family. Come on, that's it, that's it. Press your way in the altar. Press your way in the altar. Come on, that's it. I'm asking you to come today. God's going to bring that fire to your life. Come on, that's it, child of God. Do you trust him enough to call Hosanna? Come on, that's it. That's the power of God. He's bringing that fire to your life. Come on, that's it. Come on, this is the Lord's day. Let's give him a little time right now. Come on, that's it. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Press your way into the altar. Now lift up your voice all over the house. Come on, I wish we'd fill that place like they filled the streets of Jerusalem. Hosanna, save us. Come on, woman with the issue of blood, lift up your voice. Come on, Bartimaeus, lift up your voice. That's it, he's riding towards you right now. Come on, Zacchaeus, get up that tree. That's it, come on, lift up your voice. Yeah, that's it. He hears you. He hears you. The Lord is nigh unto thee of a broken heart. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That's it, that's it. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. Hosanna, 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 save me, save my family. 
come on. He's coming to you right now. That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh. Behold, thy king cometh. That's it, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. He I prophesy in the name of the Lord under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The King is coming. Save them. Lay your hands on somebody today. 